This is College Hockey Southwest Weekly, the podcast presented by College Bar and Grill, online at ilovecollege.co. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is also brought to you by OxyPow, M-Drive, and Behind the Mask Hockey. Now here are your hosts, Scott Strandy, and I'm Tom Callahan. Hello, everyone, and welcome in once again to another podcast here, College Hockey Southwest Weekly. I'm Tom Callahan, Scott Strandy, and you know what? It, uh, it's been an exciting season in college hockey in the desert southwest, and unfortunately, the run of the ASU Sun Devils has come to a close. Uh, but, Scott, looking back overall on this season for a very young program, uh, nothing but successes and uh, building blocks, and and I think uh, just a great uh, year for them on and off the ice. Uh, absolutely, Tom. And first of all, uh, I want to throw out a thank you to and Paul and everybody for coming while I was down. <laughs> a little unexpected. Did not expect to spend the uh, regional game in the hospital and the next you know, few days to dealing with uh, a little health concern. So thank you to you guys for stepping up and keeping me informed as to what's going on. And I know you got a really big week ahead of you at the pros before for us. So we're looking forward to it. Wish I could be there. Wish I could not. But, uh, you know, we'll get through it. Well, you know what? We, we will, and we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But uh, you know what? And, Scott, you were there. You've been there for four years now. Uh, and I just came in this year to look at this ASU program, and I came in as a, if you will pardon the pun, doubting Thomas, um, wondering how they were going to be, how well they were going to do, and watching this team over the course of a season. Um, I mean, not only was I surprised, but, you know, I was I was really enjoying watching them grow and watching them, uh, you know, climb that mountain along the way. But I'm interested, you, as a person who's been there since the beginning, and, and you've been around this program, you know, it's before anybody even thought about D1 hockey in Arizona State, um, when you reflect on this season, what does it mean? It means a lot, Tom. And, and, you know, I've seen the transformation, if you will. I saw them go from an ACHA team that had to be old, big, and heavy and play that style of game to a, a team right now that's finesse, good goaltenders, solid defense. Um, I commented about this the other day. I said, I wonder if what we saw in the regional was an attempt to prove that they were not only a good team and could win the game, but to do it in a different style. I didn't see the hard physical hits. I didn't see many penalties. I just wonder, you know, deep down, this coach is going like, hey, we need to put a better product visually out there to show the NCAA teams that we're different, that we're a good team, that we're a quality team. Your thoughts on that? Well, one thing, and I'm a proponent of physical hockey. I think you do need to hit to win in this game. Uh, not not heavy. You don't need to blow guys through the glass, but you need to finish your checks. You need to to remind guys and get them looking over their shoulder that, oh, somebody's right there and they're coming for me. Um, but that said, uh, you know, I, I you could tell that this was a team that hadn't played in several weeks. They didn't get it going until the third period. When they did... Suddenly, they were pretty dominant, I thought, uh, down the stretch. They just couldn't get a tying goal out of the deal, but it really did take them two-plus periods to wake up. Uh, and I think that that had them behind the eight ball for not playing all that time. It is so hard. I don't care what anybody tells you. It's hard to flip the switch. 
jump into a game when you haven't played in several weeks and just all of a sudden be at game speed. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, no, no matter how well you prepare, because you can't simulate it in practice. And by the time they got it going, it was just a little too late. Yeah, and, and you know, it only was a 2-1 game, so it's not like they were blown out. They were there the whole time. But, um, you know, where do they go from here? Well, the first big thing is they're going to have to look for another goaltender because they got Evan DeBrower, but you and I both know that Evan's a great kid but hasn't played but, you know, five to eight minutes of NCAA hockey. Um, so they need to find somebody else to, to back him up. And, and more importantly, they need to get Evan up to speed. So, you know, in, in September and October, how ready is Evan ready to be man, if you will? Well, and are we 100% that Joey's not coming back? He goes up to Ottawa. So Joey Decord, for those who might not know, starting goaltender this year. Um, this is a contract year for him with Ottawa. He's actually set to become a free agent this summer could sign an entry-level deal with Ottawa or anybody else because this draft rights expire. So Ottawa puts him in a game, unfortunately gives up five, takes a loss. But honestly, I, I don't think he played bad. I thought he made some pretty good saves uh, in that game. But, uh, you know, so is that taste enough for him to go, okay, time for me to go pro now, or does he come back for his senior season? Uh, Scott, do you have any insight on that? Yeah, all indications are he's he's going start his pro career uh it, you know when he made the announcement on monday that he was going up there for the final week of the regular season we all we all thought it was april fool's joke you know i had several people call me and say is this for real or just an april fool's joke and i'm like no it's for real he's made that decision he thinks it's time to move on so he's going unfortunately and the uh the net is now turned over to evan de brower uh, look at the prospect right now the sun Devils don't have any prospects goaltender prospects on their roster so i'm sure coach powers moved swiftly to find somebody to fill that role now and as we'll talk about in the second part of this podcast just because you're a freshman doesn't mean you can't play a vital role for your team and we'll talk about which freshman goaltender has really stepped up here as i mentioned in the second part however um so joey goes up he's also a richter finalist uh for goaltender of the year in the college ranks and so uh, I, I i don't know if he's going to end up as the winner in that race, but it just goes to show how important he was to this team. And uh, but other than that, Scott, honestly, like this is a fairly young team that had a big learning curve, and for them to do what they did this year, um, and, and they have more recruits coming in behind these guys. I mean, they're going to be young for a little while, probably the next two three years. But look what they did this year with a talented crop of of freshmen and very few. Uh, upperclassmen, really. Johnny Walker's still a sophomore and, uh, you know, was tied for the national lead in goals and missed the last two games of the season. I mean, this this is a pretty good team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what they're bringing in, Tom, is they're going to bring in a couple of defensemen that are going to challenge for that top six spot. But I think more importantly, they've got some actual goal scorers coming on. So it's not going to just be Johnny. It's not going to be Demetrius. They're going to have some grinders, but they're going to actually have a couple of kids coming in that uh, that are going to be able to bury the puck, if you will. And those guys coming in, we'll talk about that uh, in the coming months as far as what, what the cupboard looks like. But, you know, I always look at July. You know, I go down those capital states in July and August, and then I can give you an indication of what I think where, where they'll, fall, they'll fall. But it's going to be interesting. It's another season without a conference. Um, by design, uh, they hope to be in the conference, I believe, after next season. So that'll be uh, definitely helpful. You know, and 
here's here's the benchmark, if you will, Tom. I was up in Vegas for the last couple of days, and when I was there, somebody came up to me and said, "So, how long did you keep Coach Powers at ASU?" And I'm going, "What? Where did this come from?" And he's going like, "Well, he, obviously, people are gonna come knocking on the door, right? I mean, better NCAA program, NHL teams, maybe." I'm going like, "Boy, you're just not you're not in in the loop on this thing at all." So, interesting comments. What do you think about that? Well, look, uh, you'd be silly not to try to talk to Greg Powers about how he's built, especially with the recruiting job he's done, um, if you were any other school, in my opinion. Um, But I just don't know that you're going to see Coach Powers, who's who's building this program. And I mean, really, you think about it, this is kind of an ideal situation for him because he's got a pretty long leash at ASU. Um, and they are just on the rise. So, I mean, if he wanted to go somewhere, stay somewhere, be a part of something. And plus, I mean, the guy went to school here, you know, it's, it's not like he went to school, um, at Notre Dame or at BU and is like, boy, I just, I hope I can build this and then take off to something else. Like that's, that's not at all what's going on here. So, um, you know, like, uh, Chris Bergeron just went to, uh, Miami of Ohio and, People are like, well, why would you leave Bowling Green? You've got them going in a great direction and all yeah. that. Well, he went to school at Miami of Ohio, so that makes sense. Yes. Um, you know, so, but same thing with Coach Powers. I mean, he went to school at ASU. He's building a program at ASU. He is a Sun Devil. And so, I don't know, NHL, maybe, maybe you look at that. But here's the thing, the job security of the National Hockey League, coaches are hired till fired. You know, yes. you, you could be searching for a job in two, three years, in a year, in 10 years. You don't know. Uh, and you're going right. to be bouncing around and moving around a lot. But if he wants to settle down, make a life, I I can't see a, a, a time in the near future where Greg Powers has to leave Tempe. Yeah, well, you know, I think one of the best comments, I a couple of comments that he told me was, number one, he said he's a Sun Devil for life. He wants to uh, build this program. Number two, and probably the most telling, is he said, you know, when I got this job, I wasn't looking to become an NCAA hockey coach. I coached ACHA. I had a really good job. and outside of hockey. Uh, this was just the ideal situation. Does he love it? Absolutely he does. Does he have great assistant coaches? He certainly does. Is he ready to move on or would he want to move on? I don't think there's enough money right now to drag him out of there. It's just too much of a, I mean, it's too much of a good thing, if you will. So I think we can put that to rest at least for a few years. Yeah, I, I, would, I would definitely agree with that. And uh, you know what? A great year for ASU. Disappointing that they didn't do better in their, their game in the tournament, but their first tournament berth, their first year of being ranked, um, the first of so many things, you know, sweeps and, and winning records and all these things that this team accomplished this year. Um, they had a guy who I felt should have been a Hobie Baker finalist, but uh, at least was in the conversation. And then they have a Richter Award finalist. Um, you know, just a good year all the way around for ASU. So I think as we, we kind of close the lid on the on-ice portion of what the Sun Devils accomplished this year. Um, you can't help but be impressed by what this program did. Absolutely. Well, we can go ahead and take a quick break. Let's come back and talk about those four, uh, four teams that are still standing in the Frozen Four in, in your hometown of Buffalo, New York. That's right. We'll be, uh, I'll be up there covering that. I'm looking forward to that. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. This is the College Hockey Southwest Weekly Podcast. 
Behind the Mask Hockey Shops, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. Located across the street from the iconic A Mountain and Sun Devil Stadium and a quick walk from Wells Fargo Arena, College Bar and Grill is your home for the best local craft beer, delicious creative cocktails, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. Featuring daily specials and all-you-can-eat wings on Mondays, College Bar and Grill is located at 502 South College Avenue in Tempe, or find them online at ilovecollege.com. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. One of my favorite memories is mountain biking with my dad. Barreling through the woods at full speed, bike tires bouncing off rocks. That was 25 years ago. What's crazy is today, at 60, dad still does that. You know, he really made M-Drive for himself. He wanted an everyday supplement that would fuel his drive. Yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. He built M-Drive to support the body, building strength and energy from the inside out. We take M-Drive every day to fuel our drive with more energy and more strength. I think it's amazing what Dad built and amazing what he can still do today. In a lot of ways, he's still the guy from 25 years ago, and he's not slowing down. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. It's available at Walgreens, Walmart, GNC, Vitamin Shop, or visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just use the code DRIVE at checkout. Don't let your age beat you. We find your prime with mDrive. OxyPow specializes in the use and applications of dry and wet-based ozone treatments and services for odor removal and chemical-free sanitizing applications. Not only can they make your sports gear smell better, but they also offer products and service applications for residential, commercial, automotive, and anywhere else there's an organic-based odor, bacteria, virus, mold, or fungus you need to eliminate safely, naturally, and with no harmful toxins or residues left behind. Visit them online at oxypow.com. That's O-X-Y-P-O-W.com. Welcome back on College Hockey Southwest Weekly, the podcast. Tom Callahan, Scott Strandy here with you. And it is indeed frozen four times college hockey fans, and the the last four left standing in the nation, uh, Minnesota, Duluth, Providence, Denver, and UMass, and uh, Scott, if you wanted to take them by regional, uh, UMD uh, is, I'll be honest with you, Minnesota, Duluth did not have the easiest time getting through, but you know what, they're still standing, and uh, they have a chance to play for a back-to-back national championship. Back to back national championship and third time in three years. So Scott Sandlin just does a great job of not only reloading his roster, but he always has prepared at tournament time. And you go look back at his however many fifteen plus years at Minnesota Duluth and every year in March and in April, he's got his hockey team ready to play. So I'm gonna go right on the limb right now and say my alma mater is uh is the favorite without a doubt. I <laughs> I'm not going to agree with you there. Um, I'm. This might be a little bit of a sentimental favorite in a way, but uh, UMass I think is is playing lights out right now. Um, but Minnesota Duluth, uh, they survive. They get through. They're coming in. They do have the benefit of being um, a repeat champ. Or well, they were last year's champ. They haven't repeated yet, but they have the benefit of being 
um, a defending national champion is how I should phrase that. Um, how much is that type of experience worth to a team when you've been there, done that last season? It's worth a ton. I mean, you know, everything from the pageantry around it to the games, to the TV timeout, all of those things are something that the Bulldogs are going to be very, very familiar with. Um, not that teams won't adjust to it or not that they won't play just ask St. Cloud State and American International, right? Um, you can adjust to it. Uh, Greg Carville at, at UMass has always got that team ready to go. I mean, he, he gets into the Frozen Four with two four and up shutouts. So, I mean, UMass is definitely a formidable opponent. However, I just think at the end of the day, uh, Minnesota Lewis got the guys. I mean, if you just look at what got them through the first round, Parker McKay wins it in overtime and, and you know, just pretty much puts them on his back and wills them to the win. And when you got a goaltender like uh, Hunter Shepard, um, I just feel like they're too much, too deep. A couple of fun notes, by the way, about UMD. So Hunter Shepard made a school record 79th consecutive start uh, <laughs> when he played against Cornell. That's insane to me. And as you mentioned, Parker McKay, four points, three goals in his last three games, including both of those goals against Bowling Green. And Scott Sandlin, he's got the best career NCAA playoff win percentage, which is 760 of any active NCAA coach. So that, unto itself, is pretty impressive. But now you got a Providence team uh, that is coming in here. And you know what? I mean, Providence has had a weird year. Um, but they come into the tournament. Um, they had to come from behind. They Boy, you want to talk about a slow start. They were down three zip to Minnesota State, but came back to beat them 6-3 uh, and then ended up um, shutting out Cornell 4 nothing. And does Providence have it rolling right now, Scott? What kind of challenge do they present? They present a big challenge because, yes, they do have it rolling. They came out of, uh, if you will, their own hometown regional. I know Brown was the host, but when it's played that at the uh, – Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island have a lot of momentum behind you, have a lot of fan support. And let's not uh, take anything away from them. They, they were building this coming down the stretch. They were playing some really good hockey and moving themselves into the tournament rankings all the way along. So I think they're a, they're a quality opponent. I think Minnesota Blues is not going to be able to overlook them. I doubt they will in the uh, NCAA semifinal. But Providence is solid. They're, uh, they're a team that that can do some damage if you overlook them at all. Nine NHL draft picks on that team. But let me shock everybody and go ahead and say, just because you're an NHL draft pick doesn't make you an outstanding player. It makes you a good player. doesn't mean right. you're going to play in the NHL just because you were drafted, as we you know see countless times. But it does give you an idea of the depth of quality on that roster. So that's actually that's going to be a fun one. Uh, I think it's going to be very entertaining to watch those two teams I, uh, could be a big slugfest between the goaltenders, hockey for Providence. Um, and, you know, it, I, I don't know. I think that one's going to be a tight, tight game. I know you're picking UMD to get through there, but, Scott, that's a that's a 3-2 game to me. Yeah, it, it's definitely a one-goal game. I, unless, like I said, unless all of a sudden Minnesota Blues gets the, uh, the momentum rolling, they can snowball a team if they get on the right side of it. So Providence is going to have to make sure they don't, take any odd man rushes or give up any odd man rushes and get themselves caught in precarious positions because that's one thing that the Bulldogs is good at is, uh, is making you pay for a mistake. They don't often take penalties. They don't often beat themselves. So 
I think that's something to look forward to. I want to piggyback a little bit on your NHL comment, though, Tom. I, I happened to be in, in Vegas. Part of my uh, trip up there was to see Jimmy Schultz, who just signed from uh, St. Cloud State with the Vegas Golden Knights. And as you were saying, just because you're a top uh, college player, NHL prospect does not make you stand out. I watched him in practice. I had a chance to visit with him afterwards. And, and he basically said the same thing. He goes, this is a new league. This is the best of the best. And although he was, you know, and is, and you will beat him uh, out at the uh, Hobie Hattrick, he, uh, he understands that playing at the next level, I mean, he said he's coming into Vegas next next season trying to make the roster. So that doesn't make him uh, Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel for sure. Well, and we're seeing a lot of college guys come out now and uh, and start to play a few games. Joey Decord, one of them, uh, as he ended up in Ottawa, we talked about in the first segment, but how about Ryan Paling from St. Cloud? Comes out, hat trick for the Canadians in his first game, shootout winner, and a 6-5 win over the Toronto Maple Leafs on a Saturday night in Montreal. Uh, does it get any bigger? I don't think it does. What an amazing start for Ryan Paling. So just kind of a, uh, a, a comment there on, you know what, sometimes you jump in, you have success right away. I was, I was watching that game, uh, and Bob Cole called his last um, hockey night in Canada game, if you will, Saturday night game. Uh, Fifty years he's been doing play by play, and uh, I wasn't going to miss that one for the world. But what a game it turned out to be! And congrats to Ryan Paling. So that was that was so a pretty cool a, moment. So let me ask you this: as a play by play guy, how cool is that for you to witness that? If that had been you and Bob Cole's seat, um, how would you have felt when that game was over with? You know, I mean, Bob Cole. As a 50-year veteran, and really, he was—he's been a huge influence on my career. Um, I mean, that's you. In a way, I want to say Bob deserved that game. You know, he right. deserved a special game. He deserved the overtime and then a shootout. He deserved 65 plus minutes of hockey to showcase his, his talents one more time. Now, I don't think Bob Cole looks at it that way, um, but you just you know that there are times when you see something special in the game and, and something that happens. I mean, Paling's hat trick in his first game was the first time any Canadians player had done that since, I think, 1946. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, we're talking once in a blue moon times 10. Um, yeah. You know, it just, uh, I, I think it was special, and I think it was supposed to be that way. So I, I think it was wonderful that that was the way that game went. And the game didn't really matter to the Leafs. Um, they're already in the playoffs, and Montreal already knew they were going to miss the playoffs. Um, but it was just, it was a special moment all the way around. I'm going to cap it off by saying that I think it was just the hockey gods looking down and saying, this is how we cap off a fantastic play by play career. I, yeah, there's, like I say, he deserved every extra minute, all the adulation. There's some great uh, videos. Um, going around right now online if you happen to check it out. As a matter of fact, I retweeted one on my at Callahan on air uh, if you wanted to look at that, but it's just a very moving tribute to the man, and uh, boy, what a, what, a, what a cool night. What a cool night it really was. So, And um, let me finally put a bow on it by saying the tie-in to the Desert Southwest is when Paling was a freshman, he was here at uh, Prescott Valley when St. Cloud State came to play in the very first Desert Hockey Classic outside the Tila River second year that they had it. So, uh, you know, I saw that talent as a young kid, and he's got a couple of brothers that also played at St. Cloud State, not nearly to his level of talent, but 
but also a very good player. Yeah, you never know who you're going to see. Never know who you're going to see. So. All right. Can we jump into Denver? Cause I think yes. Like the... <laughs> yes, let's do that. Let me tell you about Denver. If you're not familiar with David Carl, uh, he's the story behind him. They're a young head coach. His first full year as a head coach at Denver is taking his team to the Frozen Four. Denver's another team like Minnesota Duluth where every time it's tournament time, they turn it up a notch, right? David Carl's story, I don't know how familiar you are with him, Tom, but um, he came out as a highly talented player when Shattuck St. Mary's in Faribault, Minnesota. Um, and then when he was being... Um, What's the word? Interviewed, checked out, preparing for the NHL draft. They discovered in the large part, which is uh, a very dangerous thing for anybody, but a very, very dangerous thing for a professional athlete. So their recommendation, the doctors there said, you know, we don't think you should continue playing. He had a four-year scholarship to Denver. Denver stepped up and honored that four-year scholarship. And then... Uh, the draft went on, and in the seventh final round of the draft, um, Tampa Bay selected him, knowing that he'd never played for them, never played professional hockey, but did it as a sentimental thing to just kind of thank him for his hard work and to let him put on his resume, his life resume, that he's an NHL draft pick. He immediately goes to Denver, can't play, so he jumps in as a, as a student assistant, gets his degree, goes in and does a couple of years in the USHL, and Lo and behold, he comes back on Jim Montgomery's staff. And two years later, Jim Montgomery's gone for the Dallas Stars. David Carl's head coach. Bingo, you're in the frozen four. Sounds like the way everybody draws it up, right? I mean, yeah, if that's the way you want to draw it up, sure. <laughs> that is in no way the way anybody draws it up, Scott, and you know that. Um, it's Isn't it kind of crazy, though? I mean, you have a head coach who's not yet 30 years old. The guy was hired when he was 28. Um in, in the way that I think a lot of people laughed at Paul Maurice when he was named the uh, head coach in Carolina, when he, he, I think he might actually might have been 28. Um, there, there's this perception in, in coaching that if you're not old and gray and experienced and you haven't, here's the thing, and I hear this all the time you can't get a job without the experience, you can't get the experience without a job. Well, somebody yeah. needs to take a chance on you. And I yeah. think that uh, Denver. It took a bit of a chance on him, but, you know, they had a head coach who left and went to the National Hockey League to coach the Dallas Stars, and um, not that there wasn't already talent at the program in Denver, but, um, you know, maybe people felt this was a bit of a reach to hire hire Carl, but, boy, has he squelched any of that um, with the way this team has gone. They haven't allowed a goal. Um, you know, they beat Ohio State 2 nothing. They shut out American International 3 nothing. who, by the way, I thought AIC um, looked really good in the tournament, even though they didn't score against Denver. Um, but, man, so Denver is a good story, but they're going to run into a buzzsaw in UMass. And UMass is my story um, that I teased before the break about a team that threw a freshman into the net and has not had a problem. They got they pulled Matt Murray. It was in the first game of the Hockey East quarterfinal. Um, so they put Philip Lindbergh in, who's a freshman, and he's gone. Check this out: four and one, allowing <laughs> three goals on ninety-three shots, and posted three shutouts as a freshman. So ASU fans don't worry about the goaltending necessarily is, is also what I'm saying here, but that's unbelievable for a freshman coming in. Um, 
And uh, Kale McCarr uh, is a guy who I think a lot of people think is going to win the Hobie Baker this year. Um, it just, you know, UMass is having a year. They're, they're kind of the, the Cinderella team, if you will. They're Destiny's darling heading into yeah. the, the Frozen Four. Would totally agree with that. And, you know, here's something that's interesting, and I haven't done the research on this. I'm just going to wing it. But Denver comes into their end of the, uh, the bracket not allowing a goal in the regional. UMass comes into their end of the bracket not allowing a goal in the regional. Something's got to give, right? Well, I <laughs> are mean... You, are you ready for about a four or five overtime Oh, game? my goodness. There's no shootouts in these things. They just keep playing until somebody scores. I know, and that's that's the, the... I mean, nobody has scored against these two teams yet. You want to... So the other game, Scott, I said could be 3-2. This one won nothing. Um right. You know, it's, uh, it, it's, and sometimes games like this, and I've seen in my 20 years of hockey, um, you know, the goal that goes in is not the prettiest. Uh, oftentimes it's the ugliest, but that is what coaches have to tell their players say, guys, keep this in mind. You have to go to the net. You have to throw a puck at the net. If it goes in off somebody's fanny, great. It went in. It does not matter. You don't have to make the triple backhand deke shelf pop the water bottle move just get the puck at the net crash the net get bodies uh to the front of the net if the goalie can't see it odds are he's not going to stop it and that's that's what both these teams are going to need to do so so let me ask you this they both come in not allowing the goal is there any chance that all of a sudden we see something crazy happen like it becomes a lopsided game and they can't stop the puck you know what i I was just thinking about that do we see a six five turnaround game yeah where right. both goalies get pulled, both starters get pulled, and, and everything's going in. I mean, the net seems to be like a soccer goal. You, n- you never know. that, But that's why you got to play the games, right? I, you never know who's going to have the game of their life. You never know who's going to, um, you know, have a, have a junker. Um, you just don't know. And that's why it's exciting when it gets down to the last four. Anybody can step up. Anybody can lead the way. Um, and, and that's, that's cool. You can have a freshman goalie who steps up and leads his team all the way to a national championship. You can have a senior who's had a quiet season, have a moment in the spotlight in, in the final of the frozen four. I mean, these are things that can happen. And that's why I love, uh, this time of year, because once you're in, um, it, you know, the final 16 and then the final four teams left standing, you've got a shot. You can make it happen, and I think that that's what I love to see is kids who seize the moment. Here's what I'm waiting for this week as we put a bow on this episode. Uh, Denver, UMass, Providence, Minnesota Duluth, Thursday night, ESPN2. You're going to be there. We're going to be doing live updates across the board on social media. We'll be doing our podcast nightly with recaps of what's going on. Thursday are the semifinals. Friday are the awards, Coach of the Year announcement. Uh, Obi Hattrick announcement, uh, the Richter Award announcement. So it's going to be a busy week for you. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've not been to a Frozen Four yet, have you? I have not, actually, surprisingly, and it's been in Buffalo a couple times, but this will be my first uh, journey into the Frozen Four landscape. Usually, Scott, I was, I was working a <laughs> pro hockey season yeah. when this was going on. I thought exactly. You spent your time in pro hockey uh, at one level or another, and I'm just Really, really excited to hear what your blood pressure is on the good side, on 
Thursday, Friday, and Saturday because I've been to a bunch of Rose Fours and I know the excitement it creates. You go into it going like, I'm not sure what this is going to be like, but trust me, especially this year, it's going to be in your hometown. It's going to be a big event for ESPN because they've been doing this for a quarter century. Um, they're excited about it. It's going to be a lot of pageantry. They got events all the time. Coaches are available. Not only are the people that are involved in the tournament available, but so are coaches and decision makers and NHL people and scouts that are not affiliated with the terms that are just there to watch players or watch the event. So, I mean, you're going to rub elbows with a lot of people, probably some old friends. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, it should be a, a great tournament. So, again, follow us. Uh, you know, the College Hockey Southwest Weekly crew, we are not done yet. Uh, there's still no. there's still more to go, and and there will be through the summer, Scott, as you mentioned too. Is you know ASU begins to build its team, and we'll be keeping an eye on other teams, their recruiting classes, um, players who come out of the Desert Southwest area, because we're seeing more of that now. Homegrown talent from Phoenix, from Las Vegas, from um, you know California, and, and kids who are are playing this game, growing up in Texas and Oklahoma, and New Mexico. I mean, it's it's uh, reaching. You know, that point where, I, I, I don't know, I, I've stopped using the phrase non-traditional market. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, I yeah. don't think it applies anymore. I agree. And uh, let me just tease the things that, that are coming down the pike. We have a Lemieux here, by the way. Uh, he's not making the biggest impact. I think he'll make a bigger impact next season. We have a Niedermeyer coming down the pike. We have a Briere coming down the pike. <laughs> There's some big NHL quality names. Now, just because your dad or your grandpa was an NHL doesn't necessarily mean that that means you're going to be a standout, but it doesn't hurt, right? No, it definitely doesn't have the bloodlines. And it also, one thing it does to other kids on the recruiting trail, it adds even more legitimacy to what you're doing when you can say, look, you know, uh, these three guys wanted to come here and play, and why wouldn't you? Right. Absolutely. I don't know how we can go any farther after that statement. That's perfect. So let's end this, uh, this podcast. This call is Dr. Southwest Weekly. Let's say safe travels to Tom Callahan as he heads back home for a few days. And, uh, and let's touch base, Tom, on, on Wednesday night, if you will, and get a little preview as to what you've seen once you land and get around there and uh, say hello to mom and dad for me. Definitely will, Scott. Looking forward to a little bit of the home cooking. And uh, you know what? This is uh, the fun is only beginning. I'm really looking forward to it. So, all right, folks. Well, thanks. That's another edition. Thank you for listening here. Uh, College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Catch us on Podbean for the podcast. You can also check out the YouTube channel. And as Scott said, across the board, um, Scott, you want to just uh, go ahead and give the, the Twitter uh, and all that information for people to follow us uh, as we go through the tournament here. Absolutely. Pretty easy. YouTube, Ice Time SW. Twitter, Ice Time SW. Instagram, Ice Time SW. Of course, our, our website is uh, IceTimeHockeySW.com. And look for the, the uh, new hashtag, College Hockey Southwest Weekly, that everything we do will always have that hashtag uh, from this point going forward so people can find us anywhere along the way. All right, folks, that'll do it. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you from the Frozen Four in Buffalo. This has been the College Hockey Southwest Weekly Podcast.